0: This is Up the Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, Jonathan and Maddie are connecting the historical murders at the mother red cat Boozer with the baffling death of a high court judge. In this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of Mother Redcap?
1: A high court judge is stabbed through the heart from within a heavily fortified room by an invisible assassin.
0: <laughs> I like this.
1: There's a lot more going on, but I try to distill it as neatly as possible. That is the central mystery.
0: There's a lot going on in this.
1: So, isn't there a lot room? ish guarded room
0: this to me I, I feel like when i was watching this this feels like the most tv episode of something because it just kind of the amount of coincidences that have to happen all the way through it it, it really it leaves the realm of reality in a way that is worse than someone being killed and they be not being a murderer
1: if you have to have one of your characters explain chaos theory to explain the contrivances of your plot is never the best. And if a man breaks wind in Hounslow, it can affect a hurricane in Java. I don't think I know the man they're talking about. Travels on the Circle Line. There's a lot of coincidences in this. Comparing it to Gallows Gate that we've just done, there's a lot of plot in this one episode.
0: Yeah. I think you definitely could have made this a doubler.
1: I think this has way more potential. And then some of those co- coincidences would seem less contrived over two episodes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's it's more to do with and I think it's it's a good device by it. I don't blame them for using it, but just that news report right at the beginning. It just goes right this is where we are. If that was if this was Gallows Gate, you could a hundred percent put the first episode of Gallows Gate in a news report at the beginning. <laughs>
1: It just gives a whole thing, this really breathless pace. At the beginning, it's like... (gasps) And uh, when we find all about Judge Sweetland and the the Chinese Mafia. When we get on to the elements later on, there'll be a lot of boxes
0: ticked by the inclusion of this Chinese Mafia. Let me tell you, because I don't don't really care that this is made in the 90s. This is fucking not on, quite frankly. (laughs) A lot of stuff. But it's really strange, isn't it? It's just like the inclusion of this Chinese Mafia. This, it feels like... It, it felt really X Filesy as well. This episode did. Like the, maybe that's involved with the police, or maybe that's uh, them snooping around an old, scary building. But it really felt really X Filesy to me. And you know, we'd kind of joke about the Mulder and Scully thing on like previous episodes, but th- th- this one, I was like, this could be an X Files episode.
1: Yeah, I think maybe it is the the spooky house for that. But just to drill down into some of the more specifics regarding the effects. Mm. They say that he can't have been killed much before 6am because he's punctured through the heart. So there would be blood everywhere. So he's just been killed moments before the police rush in. Yeah. So, But there's no assassin. So the, the windows are barred, solid walls. There's a police guard outside. And Jonathan and Maddie get involved. And I love how they get involved on this one. Ken Speed, the investigating officer, Ken Speed. He's had a beer with DCI Masterson from the House of Monkeys. But me.
0: No, I was having a beer the other week with DCI Janet Masterson. That
1: locked room business with Doctor Strange and the House of Monkeys, work a bloody genius, man. I thought if anyone could give us some pointers on this Sweetland thing, well, bugger it, let's get him in. I love all these coyote cops are talking about Jonathan Creek.
0: They're definitely slagging him off, but also, because that... Because is the the one from House of Monkeys is the lady who couldn't give a shit, isn't she?
1: It's quite a snooty woman. Like, she's quite dismissive of Jonathan. But I love the idea when she's in the boozer. She's, like, singing his praises. Going, he's amazing. I thought he was an idiot. Look at his coat. It was me
0: collabing with him. I was doing a collab with Creek. We got a book coming out. It's like, I don't think that's you. Uh, <laughs> so the method, then, is the judge was killed by a high voltage electrical shock which is delivered by his alarm clock uh, he was then stabbed through the heart post-mortem by WPC Faye <laughs> that's a good to our uh, that's a good addition to our rogues gallery isn't it Faye a murderer called Faye <laughs> yeah Faye Radner Um, whose brothers were killed by a man that Judge Sweetland had awarded a lenient sentence to.
1: So at least, unlike last week, we've got a motivation.
0: Oh, absolutely. It it might be wild, but it's motivation for sure. Um, (laughs) So our clues that we've got as well, like the ripped off fingernail, Oh, I can't look at that.
1: Yeah, it's minging. So that belongs to a woman that is living in the Mother Red Cap pub. This is quite a tricky one because these are clues, but they're not really clues. No. They're kind of just little... They they almost occupy the space of clues in the story, but they don't really function as clues.
0: Because that's the thing as well. We have the pub, the Mother Red Cap, and then we have the murder room, the bedroom where the judge has been killed. So we have these two different locations and a ripped-off fingernail... from a lady who is then found in the, in the mother red cap, is found in the bedroom.
1: So, and this all stems back to, so that's a big coincidence. You're like, why why is this the case? The biggest narrative contrivance, I guess, is the fact that this bloke called Jason Tippett yeah. is getting in touch with Maddie to tell her about the mystery of the mother red cap pub where seven men died from shock seen something out a window. They die from fear. And she's scrounging around for new cases because they've kind of all dried up. And she's kind of like dismissed him. And she eventually goes to meet him because she's got nothing else on. And he's quite charming. And she seems quite into him. And they kind of go on a date.
0: Well, that, that, that's the thing. I've written this down in my funny things stuff is... She's moaning that she's got no jobs. She's only had one job come in, but she's still ignoring it because she thinks it sounds shit. It's like, look, you haven't got any jobs. And she only ends up going to meet him because Jonathan answers the phone and puts her on the phone to him so she can kind of force her into it. And then he sounds fit, and he is. So that's why Maddie ends up going to see him. That's the only reason. But, like, you're not getting any jobs on. He's giving you a job, you. Get on with it.
1: (laughs) And then this is the weird thing. WPC Faye Radner has recently gone past the Mother Red Cat pub and investigated it.
0: Fucking hell.
1: And while in there, she discovers or learns about the mechanism used in that pub to kill these men, which she then appropriates for her own purposes. So the other coincidence is she's put on the detail to guard Judge Sweetland.
0: That's wild. So not only is she put on the detail and, you know, I would feel like... Look into it. Yeah, I would feel like a police person's brother's being killed. I think everyone down at the station would know about it and would be talking about it. And they would also know the name of the judge who let the murderer off for absolute sure. I feel like she's not being put on that rotation.
1: Is it? It's the one that she's got like a picture on her locker with a big cross on his head. (laughs)
0: Like, how is that happening?
1: So, the mechanism that they fight, so when Jonathan and Maddie go investigate the pub, so it's not really an epiphany. The epiphany is they just go to the pub and they find the mechanism <laughs> yeah. and then apply that to Sweetland's bedroom. So the mechanism is near the window. So this was a it was a little bit like a Sweeney Todd kind of situation where men were being lewd to this pub and being killed by their wives who were paying this pub to kill their husbands who were cheating on them with prostitutes. And when they stood in the window, these little pins would come up and electrocute them through the floor. And then that's what inspires Faye well, she goes to the Chinese Mafia. I don't know how she's done that <laughs> with this idea. <laughs> it's like we're dragon's den.
0: Yeah, because I kind of feel like she could probably do that herself. But obviously not. But, you know, the thing that's really odd, though, and, you know, we talked about Jonathan running with, you know, certain facts or theories and just going, yeah. When, he, when they look down at the holes in the floor... Jonathan goes, oh, it's probably a bit of woodworm. Are they the most organized woodworms ever because everything is like regimented in like a little in little lines and stuff." Who are these a, worms? It, yeah, I know. Not then, bees. <laughs> and then because like, when you look at it you just look like that does not look random like I'm assuming woodworms would be attacking wood. It, yeah. It looks it looks like a contraption has come up through it. And then when he just goes, "Oh, that's not woodworm at all. It's like, nobody thought it was woodworm except for you. (laughs) Why is you?
1: A man who never takes things on first appearances. Yeah. The the big, um, the the mad thing about Mother Red Cat for me is Jason Tippett's bought this pub and he's like, you know, he's obsessed with this mystery. Mm. Has he never looked around the pub? Yeah. Has he never gone, oh, loads of men have died at this window. Have a look around it.
0: Yeah. Because they find it quite easily, but also... WPC Faye, she gets the whole thing from that old lady who's living in it.
1: Who used to be one of the prostitutes.
0: Yeah, she used to be one of the prostitutes. She's like, has this man just bought it and then never been inside? (laughs) No, he's obsessed
1: by it, but I actually don't care once he bought it. Yeah,
0: I'm not going inside like that. People were killed. I'm not stupid.
1: Uh (laughs) Two things I really like about the method, though, on this one that I think are actually brilliant is, and they are quite magic-related one is reusing an old method for a new effect. Very common in actual magic. You take an old principle and you redeploy it. Yeah. And that's exactly what Faye does. So that's quite magic And the second one is she stabs him using an Assassin's Creed hidden blade. Yeah. But what <laughs> I think is great about that is like proper misdirection because you see how he's been killed and you stop looking for the real explanation.
0: I do really like that, but it's just kind of, In you know, because we always ask, like, does it make sense? Why has she? She's I know she obviously wanted to kill him. She's then set up this uh, like murder that can't be solved, this unsolvable murder, and that these people are just going to be looking into it until they've solved it Surely, because it's such a high-profile thing, it's like surely there's another way of doing
1: that. But then I guess her only intent would. be, you would never be able to find I guess she just thinks she's smart and they would never find the alarm clock thing also to be fair if Maddie hadn't gone on a date with the mother red cap chap maybe not
0: yeah would they just chalk it up to the Chinese mafia being really clever
1: I mean it, by the <laughs> by the logic of this episode the Chinese people have magical powers <laughs> this is a character they'll
0: probably use on a major hit sometimes known as the Invisible Man which I don't take to mean he he'd be wearing bandages around his face. If you see this one, take special care. He's one of these martial art types. He'll break your spine in half with his foot as soon as look at you. However, if this merchant turns up, it's a whole different ballgame. He's a suicide bomber. One tap on the shoulder, it could be goodnight Vienna. There's lots about this that I do really like, and also something that comes back, uh, like and at least that I can remember another two episodes of Jonathan Creek, is the idea of looking out windows and people being scared to death by something and that comes back a few times and i love that idea because i remember this episode like genuinely creeping me out as a kid because i was well into x-files by now and well into just being terrified constantly by the x-files which i was when i was a kid so i really like this idea of you know this almost like the rings fashion where something scared them so much that they scared them to death I love that idea. It's terrifying. You know, in the reveal, uh, when they're in the police station and they go, they go. that means it could only have been one killer, couldn't it? Um, Ken Speed just goes, oh, God, Faye. <laughs> and it just feels like he's really not shocked by it. One, that he's worked out that it's Faye. And two, that... He just, is the way he says is, like, oh, for God's sake, you, haven't bloody killed him. I've not again.
1: again. You've not done one again, <laughs> have you? It feels like he's just like, ah, oh, I was kind of expecting it. I mean, honest. Brian Murphy is excellent <laughs> in this episode as Ken Speed.
0: Fuck. Oh God. Yeah, we'll get onto lots of stuff that he does, uh, thing. But I, I, th- I do like gear, and I, it does complete, it does completely make sense. But at the same time, so many things have to happen. The lady has to come across the pub by accident. Maddie has to get in touch with that guy who's also
1: obsessed with the same pub. All this stuff has to fall into place in a really odd way. Yeah. I was trying to untangle it because it's she could go past the pub and this crime happens. That's made more of a coincidence by the fact that they learn about the mother red cap at the exact same time. Yes. It's tricky because I do like the idea of using an old principle for something new. Part of me wishes it was just an historic one they were investigating, But then you have less, like, ongoing action.
0: I I think I would maybe be a little bit less diggy towards this if Jonathan found out about the case and it, like, lodged something in his brain about this pub that he heard, the Mother Red Cap, and then they go to investigate it or something like that, maybe.
1: Yeah. So it's a bit more organic. The way that these cases cross over...
0: It's because they've not. I think they do. They they've introduced a little bit in this because even though I'm saying this is a bit like the X Files, Mulder and Scully's job is solving those crimes. Solving crimes is not, uh, for the police, is not Jonathan and Maddie's job. Whereas in this, the police actually come to get Jonathan. So it's kind of introducing that notion of okay, maybe in future episodes we don't have to keep coming up with this mad contrivance of like how they've come across the the crime.
1: It's getting basically to the Sherlock Holmes setup. Yes, yeah, where yeah, the, yeah. Lestrade goes to Sherlock Holmes. It's like, oh, it's another one. It stumped us. We'll do the ones that we can solve. Yeah, and then I'll come to you with these ones, which
0: I think would be really good. Because I mean, Gallows Gate. That's <laughs> that's thirty five minutes of. Someone trying like, how can we meet, make these characters come together? These characters who have no business being together, how can we make them come together?
1: Actually, that's just a really good point, isn't it, like, with comes It's like, you don't have to have anything. It's just, here's the case. Or here's a client comes to you.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Whereas a lot of these Jonathan Creeks so far, they've had to just have weird things, like, they were just near Roy Pilgrim. <laughs> the fact that they still go to him just after reading him out on the paper, it's weird yeah. that they see him beforehand.
0: yeah. Also, what's really strange is, for a bit, some of the murderers were people that Maddie was directly involved with, that she'd managed to get out of jail. So <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we can't keep doing that either because she, this lady needs to have some
1: credibility. <laughs> what I would like to read the chapter on Rokesmith in mm-hmm. the later book going, oh, actually. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, that's on me i'd like to read it
0: anyway walking it back i'd love to yeah i'd love to read that book just to see how much she actually writes about jonathan solomon because most of the time she doesn't really solve that much i know she gets something in this through her nefarious means which is i mean that bit where she tries to like blackmail
1: the coroner oh yeah um what's she called Doctor Laura Clemson, yeah, <laughs> with a with a picture of Gianfranco Zola, yeah. It's like you put in that in the
0: you put that in your book, I guess. Like she's banking on the idea that everyone is evil, <laughs> everyone's having an affair. So he's not really a Chelsea fan, then get out. Okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal. Let's move on to the other elements make up every Jonathan Creek episode, starting with the Meldrew Awards. for most unbelievable moment. <laughs> Fucking Ken Speed in general, uh, I've just put.
1: I think getting into a car with DCI Ken Speed and him being a fast driver. That's just <laughs> insane, that is. All of that. Asking Jonathan to check the lump under
0: his arm. <laughs> um, I think maybe... The whole
1: nudism thing? Yeah, like, that's that was also a thing that was a bit more common on TV back then, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it was a thing that, especially in Britain anyway, it was like, our families just could not handle the idea... I think I guess it's because lots of people started travelling more. Uh, like air flights were probably a lot cheaper. So yeah, you lots going people going to Spain of uh, south of France definitely, and there'd be lots of European people walking
1: around. And have you seen them on the continent, Gav? It's good, mate. It's they good don't place care. To, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, So maybe that that's kind of why
1: They don't really spend too much on it, but Jonathan getting abducted by the police thinking he's a criminal. Yeah. (laughs) That's a military situation as well.
0: That's absolutely wild that is. Also, that Maddie is just fine with him having disappeared. Because he thinks he's got the arm. Um- That's wild, that is.
1: I think Ken Speed could just get it. And also, yeah. <laughs> he did appear in an episode of One Foot in the Grave.
0: Did he? Yeah. Plessy, yeah. yeah. Of course he did. Of course he did. I, I was trying to work out where I recognised him most from. I know he's in Last of the Summer Wine, but I, I think it's he's in the newer Last of the Summer's Wine rather than the older one.
1: I actually looked him up because I recognised him so keenly. I was like, yeah. oh. And nothing really hit home until I saw that he was in Wizardora.
0: Wizardora. Yeah, maybe but to be fair I've, I've actually got a good one right and it's almost used it in a really really good way it is when wpc Fay comes around to the windmill for that little date jonathan makes like a little joke about the brothers, what pair of bastards or something like that? Uh, what happened to them? They were both killed on duty by an axe murderer. And the way that it's delivered and the way that he reacts to it is really, really Meldrew-like, because it's like, don't talk about that. There's some parmesan
1: there if you want it.
0: <sighs> I think the way you are meant to read it is, oh my god, Jonathan, what have you said? Like almost in a really, really silly way. So it, I think it covers that. What is a massive clue then?
1: It's definitely a bit of misdirection because it sounds and also axe Murderer sounds so wild.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It doesn't seem like it's a plot point, so they get away with it. No, I think that's definitely true.
0: Things dated the most. I've only got one thing for this: just Autoglass Glass as a sponsor on Chelsea's kit.
1: <laughs> I remember, the, I remember that kit it's so big. <laughs> yeah. It's your big kit. <gasps> well,
0: that's the thing, though, is like when I was a, a little kid, like I loved those kits because I was a little fat kid. So I was getting like nice and strong. Why do football kits and rugby kits now? Why do they have to be skin tight like replica? I'm not going out to play any sport in them. I would just I want to go to the pub and watch the sport. In them. So why do I need to have? Like, and not to make a generalisation about people who are into those sports and go to the pub. A lot of those people should not be wearing skin-tight stuff, including myself. It's like, why do why do they need to be like that? I don't get it
1: at all. I'll probably get the hoodie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really, really don't get it. Like, I've stopped asking for um, new kits now, really, because I buy them and, uh, like... I'll wear it over Christmas holiday, like Christmas holiday, which is probably the worst time. And then I will have a sorry, I have it for Christmas, and then wear it over Christmas. And then realize I look disgusting in it, and it just goes in. And I've got a lovely collection of them, but they're fucking near mint because <laughs> I've only worn them once.
1: <laughs> it's just got a bit of Christmas dinner on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't even bother washing it. But that's the thing: you got to wash it because they fucking stink of sweat because they've they are made out of that special Wick, material, like wicking
1: it away. That, apparently,
0: yeah, that does something with sweat. So it's not all over your body, I guess, and doesn't fuck you up when you're playing sport. I, I don't need that. I don't need that at all.
1: But that's the only thing I've got for things they the most. What you got? Well, I've got two things. Jonathan saying when he answers the phone three eight one zero five four six. Yeah. Is that something people did? Because it's something, or is it only something David Renwick did? Because Victor Meldrew always used to say the digits of his phone number when he used to answer the phone quite famously.
0: No, I I, I remember doing it. What? Like I remember doing it as a kid. It's like taught to do it as a kid. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Not, when we were on phones, maybe it's a British thing. we to go hello or oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> double
1: three four. It's mad. <laughs> it's it's so mad because it's such a long. Better just saying your name. <laughs> oh, some people would say I guess some I've heard that in shows as well like Meldrew Residence.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of like that, isn't it? But yeah, we were always taught to do it as a kid, like just in case someone rang up and it was a wrong number, but... I don't like yeah, he's doing it with, some, with Maddie's yeah, phone. Yeah, it's really odd. That means that he, he knows the number off by heart, which is a good
1: good thing. Of course he really does. The other one I've got is Faye Radner, WPC. Until 1999, women had woman prefixed to their job title. Oh, Why? <laughs> fuck me (laughs) they were seen as a separate division of the police force and had their own distinct warrant numbers until 1999 that so this was 98 was this so yeah a year later she would just be pc Faye Radner.
0: jesus christ man that's wild oh that's actually quite sad isn't it
1: this weirdness is like hiding in plain sight and also i guess ken referring to her as sweetheart oh yeah
0: most british thing I don't know if this is British, or maybe this actually goes more into—is that all right? But asking for a fork instead of chopsticks in in a restaurant—that's okay. Is that a British thing?
1: I think I think I don't think that's not all right. I think because like some people just don't have to use them. That's fine.
0: My favorite—I think one of my favorite lines ever. Even though I, even though Ken Speed did actually get on my nerves um, <laughs> when he's driving in the car like a maniac. You brainless little turd! But I'll nick your brill-creamed arse yeah I'll nick an arse brill-creamed I don't know if that right, it was definitely a huge thing in Britain I know, I'm assuming that's a really huge thing outside as well like rockers have it Yeah, well, It's yeah. sort of with
1: like rockers or teddy boys yeah yeah like, brill-creaming there. I'll nick your brill-creamed arse <laughs> I've got another British cream Savlon
0: it's Savlon in
1: Yeah. it yeah I think Maddie mentioned Savlon <laughs> love a bit of Savlon yeah, the only other British things I had was, I think Brian Murphy feels quite British to me because he's just been in lots of British shows. But the other one I had, right at the end, despite really loving his salad, any excuse to get a chippy for a tea? Yeah. That
0: is really That's good. That's quite British, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. Really odd. The only other thing I've put, up, it's not really, it's quite nitpicky, but she says uh, about the guy who farts in Hounslow. And then she says, I think I know him. He travels on the Circle Line. It's like... Townslow is not on the circle line, so I don't know what you're talking about there. Uh, but yeah, maybe it just sounded nice. So, this obviously made quite a long time ago. Some things were that were all right then, nah. probably were all right then, and definitely not all right now, referring to the Asian mob as the Bamboo Mafia. Yes. Uh, I don't know
1: I don't know if that's on, to be fair. I don't think that's all right. What's the name? What is the name for the Chinese Mafia? The triads? Yeah. it's triads, isn't it? It's definitely not Bamboo yes. Mafia.
0: Yes, 100% not a Bamboo Mafia. Like, I think the way they... Well, Ken speaks says a lot of things, to be fair. Like, my daughter is gay. What's that
1: all about? God only knows what's the world's coming to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that his daughter and her partner are having a baby from the sperm bank. He's like, what are they going to put on the birth certificate? Some wanker. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't, that's not all right, is um, it?
1: Also referring to... Just the idea of Chinese kung fu hitmen. Yeah, <laughs> i refer referring to them as martial art types, and I like yeah, when one he's, of these martial arts types. I like when he's going through the pictures of them. He's like, say, it's almost like a, a scene from a, an action movie where he's going through all the different powers. And there's one picture that I love when he he puts it down and he goes, "This guy, he's a suicide bomber." Can you cultivate the reputation of being a suicide bomber? <gasps> I feel I feel that's like one and out. Yeah, he's a suicide bomber. He's just really crapping it. I don't think you can be known as a suicide bomber before you've done it. Yeah. That's not honest there.
0: Like that's pretty crap anyway. Have you got anything more for is that alright? No. So I've got a pretty big one. Now I don't know if this is just laziness. I think that the three Chinese hitmen are all played by the same actor. Being serious. So on IMDB and in the credits, there is only one Chinese hitman, and that's Mark C Wong. And I looked at those pictures really carefully, and I'm pretty sure the three men, it, yeah, they 100 percent are the three men in the cells are exactly the same person. You've got to be right and here, oh, Gav. And, and there's oh yeah, I've got to be. <laughs> but there's only there's only one credit for it. They are all the same person.
1: Could be triplets. yeah they're not said
0: they don't say that um but what's really funny is when you watch back the shot of them in the cells yeah there's a shot of one lying down the next shot is one of a guy with a bandana on there's a shot of one lying down hair slick back next one same guy bandana on so you can't see his hair got his hand over his chin the final one Completely different hairstyle, but is that slick back hair. And he's got a soul patch, like, goatee.
1: It's the same person. They've used the same actor for all of it. It's really not all right. That's not. It's not often that you find something that's both racist and thrifty. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's really not all
0: right. Finally, uh, to be fair, putting this after the really, really uh, racist stuff they're really not in a rush to save that rat are they <laughs> No. Nah. In, in the pub they've nah. got all the time in the world to stop that rat from going on to the thing and they don't fucking bother they people just let care. It, they run let it run towards it's it in 98 people will not care
1: about a rat you can test whatever body shot product you'd like on it
0: <laughs> um all right then let's open up the grot cabinet
1: Hello, Adam. You thought he's not in it this week? Yeah, not in it. He's sense. just staying in the cabinet this week. Yeah. <laughs> I guess
0: maybe they used to, they paid him too much because they had to have him for every scene, pretty much, in Gallows Gate. Yeah, the whole nudism thing, like, obviously, that's in
1: there. are so many boobs.
0: Actual boobs.
1: Look, but also more than one set of boobs. Yeah. I'm, um, imagine what we must have been like watching this live on Saturday <laughs> with our mums. <laughs> I I was thinking about this. That's probably the most boobs I ever saw at that time until I got broadband. Recently, I
0: watched this episode uh, over, i was staying over at a friend's house in Wales. We went out the night before, got really hammered and the next morning, well, when we got home, actually, he was like, what do you want to watch while we've eaten our kebab? I was like, put Jonathan Creek on. And the next morning, we were both so hungover, we just sat and watched Jonathan Creek. He was like, I haven't watched this for years. I was like, I haven't watched it for days. Um, And uh, he was like, we started watching this one, and it got to the boobs bit. He was like, "I, I can't believe this was on when we were yeah. when we were young." I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, man. This was on that time."
1: Because it's like, what's the rule? Because it's not sexualized, is it? Yeah, it's just showing them. But it's just it's almost like National Geographic style. Yeah, it's just the human form, mate.
0: Really good line from Maddie, which could have gone in the Meldrew to be fair, saying to the nudist guy when they're on date, I suppose a fork is out of the question. He goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I suppose a fork is out of the question.
1: <laughs> but I think we, we touched on it earlier. Nudism feels like almost like tree hugging. Yes. It's like a comedy staple of the 90s. Even going to the 2000s a bit like... Um the Dentons in *League of Gentlemen*.
0: Yes. nudists.
1: It's like a yeah, thing yeah. in lots of British comedies. I think it comes up.
0: The grot cabinet this week. It's quite overt. It's not grot, but it's just because we would have seen boobs when we were kids, really. Um, do you have anything else there? Nah. Nah. Right, let's shut that grot cabinet then. Romance update. Nothing too wild. Um, I've got quite a few things. It's more like
1: subtle things. Yeah. Because they're both talking about dates
0: quite openly with each
1: other. It carries on from Gala's Gate where they're at this impasse and they've almost cooled it down entirely. So to the point where they're comfortable being friends and them going on dates, whereas we go back early this season, Maddie's livid when Sheena's on around. But now they've settled down into them going off and doing their own thing.
0: Yeah. It's kind of strange as well because they both go on these different dates, kind of. Like Faye comes round, but she eats like a maniac. Um, so, so he doesn't like her. That's actually that's quite Meldrew y, really. Um, this is it's good. It's good Meldrew stuff. And he's going on about her eating like that. And then she's like, oh, well, mine's a nudist. Let's just put it down as nil nil on the score sheet. So they are kind of. Uh, sort of bar, bar. It's quite Barbie, but also quite comfortable with it as well. Yeah, with each other. Um, almost like they're sort of. I think you do get this in a lot of shows where sometimes people are resigned to the fact that they will end up together, so they feel really comfortable with each other. Just you
1: know, talking like that, which I think is actually quite nice. But well, the fact that he cuts it at the end, I f- we've had that scene quite a few times already, and I feel like that's just it implies that they do that so regularly now, make dinner for each other. Yeah. Because this episode, we're at his house. We've been at her house previously. I feel like that's just like a standing date that they have with each other.
0: I I do really like that thing as well. Because like you mentioned earlier, it was just like any excuse to have a chippy, even though you likes it. I think also her needing to find something that he's bad at. Absolutely. And just going like, he's, actually an amazing chef as well as being all this different stuff. But she's like, no, I have to be better at him at something. And I, at least this is based on my own opinion. So I can make it
1: up. Again, it goes back to that thing of him being order and her being chaos. Like she's cut for him and it's like on fire and ridiculous. And he's made this very lovely, precise meal, but they both like each other's food because he likes that Cajun catfish.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't kind of,
1: it doesn't move along a lot. Really? It's weird for a season finale not to have that moment. I don't know whether they know the Christmas special is already written.
0: Right, okay, yeah. But,
1: like, this is the last episode of season two, and it ends with them just going for a chippy.
0: So, hang on then. So, this came out on the 28th of February. So, was Black Canary an Easter special? Came out Easter.
1: Christmas, isn't it? Let me have a look.
0: Oh, so there was another one for basically a year?
1: Let me have a look. I'll tell you... So... Black Canary is not until Christmas Eve of that year.
0: Of 98.
1: 98. So that's where you're potentially leaving it. I think they would definitely have known that they were filming that. Yeah. I wonder how much was written. But that's where you're leaving their relationship after two seasons. Going for a chippy.
0: That's not good.
1: Because you basically put the brakes on. Entirely.
0: That's that's
1: not good.
0: (laughs) I don't think. For, to, to have a 10-month gap. Like, I know, okay, you know that it's coming or whatever, but when or when so much of it is about them, to leave it on a proper sitcommy ending of her just smiling, this smug smile, eating a salad, that's not a great ending, is it? To leave on for 10 months. It's so weird when you say it like that, because obviously now I'm just so used to watching these on a fucking constant loop. So I would never see.
1: Yeah. But then you know, when you recontext, like what well, it's like saying Gallows Gate was over two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It's a weird thing because they've almost like kind of extinguished their relationship a lot in the last few episodes. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? I wonder what what the actual decision was for that. Because they're pretty hot and heavy in season one. Like getting yeah. in bed together and stuff but without anything actually happening. But they're getting, they got pretty close in season one. Yeah.
0: I actually as well, and I'm very excited. Like, I think Black Canary is pro- like, is definitely my favorite episode. Yeah. Like, it's up there for you. I think, it, like,
1: I, I, even though I like Dance McCab just as a thing, I do yeah. think Black Canary is probably the best episode. I
0: think it is the by far the best episode. I think it's just incredible. I think there's so much going on there. Rick Mail is in it. There. There's so much going on with it. I love the, I, I just love the actual method it's just i just love it but imagine having to wait 10 months for that but also again to watch her at christmas though
1: oh <laughs> 12 years old <laughs>
0: that'd be amazing i'm excited to record that one man like it's a bit of context we've set aside a bit of saturday to do it we're gonna get a few beers and have a very nice time recording it enjoy it enjoy it savor it
1: so that'll be seven hours long <laughs> <laughs> oh god
0: Faye on the next episode we're heading into the country and meeting detective inspector gideon Pryke in the jonathan creek 1998 christmas special black canary oh that's a good one and as an extra special little treat that episode will go live at the exact same time the black canary first aired on the bbc which is 9 30 pm gmt obviously on Christmas Eve. It's a little thing, but it made us very happy, and, you know, it's the little things that make up life, isn't it?